the factors involved in this encounter, I trust that we're going to be challenged and encouraged to pray for our children as we seek to point them to the Lord. Our children need prayer. And not just our children, but all children. My heart breaks at the things that I read and the, the images that I see, things that are being done to children. I don't know how in the world things like this are possible, but then I'm reminded that our hearts are deceitfully wicked. And if it weren't for the blood being applied to our hearts, there's nothing off limits to the unregenerate heart. Nothing. And I think about that a lot, and, and I pray, and, and I believe that the Lord uh, watches over children that are in dire situations. And throughout this whole coronavirus and things like that, my heart has literally broken for kids that have been, and I, and I use this word because I don't know another word you'll use, but trapped in a home with parents who really don't want them there who are maybe frustrated and, and aggravated because they've lost their job, they don't have the money, they don't have the income, and then there's just this little kid. That catches the brunt of it. Children need our prayers. And we have the honor and the privilege to go boldly before the Lord and pray and ask him to watch them, to keep them, to protect them, to open our eyes to see where we can be a help in those situations. Where we can be that one who can step in and show love where maybe love hasn't been shown. Or just help in, in any way. Just to help out a child. It's worth it. It's worth it when we can help out a child. Verse 13 we see... Uh, they brought the young children to him for him to touch them. And his disciples rebuked him. And here Mark reveals two separate and very distinct appeals regarding the children. Think about this. First, the request. The request that was made. They brought young children so he could touch them. And as Jesus ministered among the people, he was approached by parents. We just went over this. Who brought their children to them. They desired that their children uh, be blessed. That their lives be blessed. Apparently, their parents recognized who Jesus was. They saw an opportunity for their children to be touched by Jesus. I mean, think about that. The parents recognized who he was. Oh, you're Jesus. You're the Messiah. You're the one who saves. You're the one who heals. You're the one who forgives. And on and on and on, he does it all. And they said, their first thought was, I've got to get my kids to Jesus. I've got to get my kids to Jesus. Tonight, I don't know about you, but I want you to be real with yourself, be honest with yourself, and allow the Holy Spirit to search you and to show you areas in your lives when times when... Maybe we've missed opportunities to get our kids to Jesus. Because it happens. Right? It happens. Sometimes we, we miss opportunities. Uh, opportunities that are just laid right out before us. And we choose another path. 
We choose uh, another road to go with our kids. But then to take it a step forward, uh, or further, rather, I want you to think about opportunities that we've missed to take anybody to Jesus. Not just the kids, but opportunities that we miss, I dare say on a daily basis, to take people to Jesus. Wow, what a sobering thought. Kind of puts things in perspective, right? Because we can think, oh, well, I'm going to exclude myself because I don't have kids. I'm never around kids. Da-da-da-da-da. Oh, no. But we're his kids. How many times have we stopped others from coming to Jesus? Right? These are real questions that we have to to be real with ourselves and allow ourselves to, to really answer that question, right? And I want to quote this um, from Charles Spurgeon. I, I love his sermons, his writings, and this is all the way back from 1886. It says, It must be a very great sin indeed to hinder anybody from coming to Christ. He is the only way of salvation from the wrath of God. Salvation from the terrible judgment that is due to sin. Who would dare to keep the perishing from that way? To alter the signpost on the way to the city of refuge or dig a trench across the road would have been an inhumane act deserving the sternest condemnation. He who holds back a soul from Jesus is a servant of Satan and is doing the most diabolical of all the devil's work. We're all agreed about this. I wonder, my dear friends, whether any of us are quite innocent in this respect. May we not have hindered others from repentance and faith. It is a sad suspicion, but I'm afraid that many of us have done so. Kept people from repenting. Kept people from coming to Jesus. Certainly you have never be- certainly you who have never believed in Jesus yourselves have done sadly much to prevent others believing. The force of example, whether for good or bad, is very powerful, and especially it is so with parents upon their children. Superior uh, superiors upon their underlings and teachers upon their pupils. Pre-adventure, Father, if you had been an earnest Christian, your son would not have been ungodly. Possibly, dear mother, if you had been decided for the Savior, the girls would have been Christians too. These are hard things to hear, but they're true. When we realize the responsibility that we have not only to our biological children, but to everyone around us. We have to speak and judge after the manner of men, but assuredly, example is a greater fashion of character. We can none of us tell if we go down to hell how many we shall draw with us, for we are bound to thousands by invisible bands. Here's the respect which makes a wide calamity out of the ruin of a single soul. Over the tomb of each sinner may be read this epitaph, this man perished not alone in his iniquity. 
None of us lives to himself and no man died to himself. If we could fling our souls away as solitary stones out of the sling, this were woe enough. But since we are all threaded beads upon the string of common life, where one goes, many goes with him. The plague of sin will not confine itself to one man's house. It sallies forth every door and window and slays its victims all around so that one sinner destroys much good. Wow. To realize the responsibility that we have as believers. We're not just living this life for ourselves. Do you realize that the decisions that we make in our day-to-day life affect who knows how many people that are watching, that are listening, look, you know, whatever the case may be. So when we get our minds on that path, on that track, and we start thinking, Lord, what have I done today that maybe didn't point somebody to you? What have I withheld people? I mean, I, I had an opportunity. Every day we have opportunities to lead someone to the Lord. I'm not talking about just praying the sinner's prayer. I'm talking about just doing the right thing, how we act, how we react, just our behavior, our conversations, our daily lifestyles. In our daily walk, are we bringing people to Jesus? Because if we're not bringing them to Jesus, what's the alternative? Right? I mean, that's it. It's one or the other. There's no in-between. And these are real things that we need to think about because a lot of times when you read these four scriptures that we read tonight, oh, Jesus blessed the children, brought the children to them. We can miss it. Oh, we can miss it. We can think about how many times that we've kept people literally from coming to Jesus just because of a word that came out of our mouth, words, words of doubt, especially in new believers. Uh, a young person comes to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, then we begin to talk negative. They begin to hear things come out of seasoned saints' mouths that shouldn't come out of their mouths, so doubt creeps in. You know, the enemy will use any avenue he can to destroy, especially when young in the faith, to destroy that. We've got to be mindful of our words, of our actions, of our reactions. See, these four little verses take on a whole different meaning when we realize, oh, we're all his children. We're all, we all should be taking children to him. Because he's the father of us all. Right? We've got to think about these things. You and I, I'm, I'm not uh, leaving myself out of this. I, I'm here. So this presents a much-needed challenge in our modern society. Most parents want the best for their children, right? Of course we do. We want the best for our kids. Doing everything we can to provide for them, ensure their well-being and success, we do that. I, I laugh. This is totally off. Um, but thinking about providing things for our kids, we got a pool now. Because Gemma 
wanted a pool, and we prayed, and the Lord made a way for us to get a pool. And so today, uh, Jason confessed his getting old, so I have to confess mine. His was Saturday. Mine happened today. Gemma, Mom, please get in the pool. I said, okay, I'll get in. So I get in. No, you got to go under. <sighs> okay, I'll go under. No, you got to do a backflip while you're underwater. I'm going to have my goggles on and be underwater watching you. I said, okay. So in my mind, I'm still 15. <laughs> so I go underwater and I do a backflip or what I thought was a backflip. And I no sooner come out of the water, I hear Gemma just cackling. I mean, laughing so hard. And she says, it's been a hot minute since you've done one of those. <laughs> So tonight, if, I, if I'm talking to you, especially without the microphone on, and it seems a little, my voice is a little louder than usual, it's because I have water in my ears. <laughs> and I can't hear. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm getting old now. I can't do those things that I used to do. But we want to do good things for our kids. We want them to have the best. We want to make their lives great. But can I tell you tonight... The greatest life your child can have is a life that's brought up in the Lord. It's a child being taught godly ways from the time they're an infant, from the time before they're even in this world. Sadie, James, you be talking to your baby, praying over your baby, reading scripture to your baby. I mean, that's what you do. And then it just continues on. That is the best thing that you can do for your children. And it doesn't stop with just the parents. It's the grandparents. It's, it's the, the teachers. It's, it's all of us. Anyone who calls themselves a Christian, we need to be praying one for another and especially for our children. They need it, right? The second part of verse 13 says, And his disciples rebuked those that brought him. See, while the parents appealed to Jesus regarding their children, the disciples felt it necessary to rebuke them for bothering the Lord. That's how they viewed it, that they were bothering the Lord. They felt that Jesus had more important uh, issues at hand than blessing children. The word rebuke there speaks of actively hindering or reproving. So the disciples were adamant that Jesus had no time for such activity, and he strong, they strongly reprimanded uh, the parents for taking his time. Uh, I want you to get this tonight, that Jesus will not be dishonored by the children. Trust me, we have more calls to fear for the adults, <laughs> Right? Jesus loves the little children. And I was thinking about that tonight. Just so happened, three of them standing up here beside me during praise and worship. And I just kind of kept looking at them and see them looking at me out of the corner of their eye. And that blesses the Lord's heart because they're learning. They're not going to do it all right. Guess what? Neither do you. Neither do I. But how do they learn? By watching their parents, by watching other church members worship the Lord. That's how they learn. Jesus isn't bothered by kids being in the service. 
years ago, before Jason and I uh, stepped away from the church that we were at, I would, it was just so heavy on my heart because it seemed like we were never a family in church. And my kids were small then, much smaller then. But it felt like as soon as we walked through the church doors, everybody went their separate way because we got to keep the kids quiet and, you know, we, we can't disrupt here and they're going to want to talk. Jesus, that's how he created kids to be. That's how he wants them to be. He loves them like that. And yes, we teach them respect and, and, and we teach them all those things. But if a kid steps out of line, we, we can't be so quick to just smack them over the head with it. I mean, what if people treated us like that? We make mistakes every day. Now, I will say there are times when I have wanted to smack Jason back in line. <laughs> and I'm sure the feeling is mutual. But yeah, good. Yeah, exactly. Um, but we need to realize that the Lord loves children. And I've said it all the time. Kids are much easier than adults. I don't know why people fear teaching children. I love teaching kids. Uh, I love being with them because they are like little sponges. And they just soak it all in. And they love you. They think you're the best thing in the world. I mean, it is just, I love being with kids. It's wonderful. And the Lord says that that's how we're to be, childlike. See, we need to focus on the aspects of ministry. Um, a lot of times, churches focus more so on what they deem important ministry, and they fail to support children's ministry. Now, I can say 100% that that's not true here at Lakeside. Thank God. Thank God for it. But there are some churches, oh, we'll just keep them in the back, keep them quiet. We don't want to worry about them. No, that's where it is. <laughs> I mean, that's where it is, is with the kids, teaching them. We need to, to, to pour all of our resources into children's ministry, I believe, because that's where it starts, right? That's where it all goes. So the apostles' rebuke of the children came out of ignorance of the children's needs. And I find this so amazing because Connie and I have had this conversation several times, uh, me not even thinking of what, this, the scriptures that were coming up. But think about if a mother had come and had a sick child um, that day. I'm sure the disciples would have hurried them along to get to Jesus. You know, maybe a child that was just skin and bones, a child that, you know, was possessed or anything like that. They would have heard them along. They didn't see the need in bringing a happy, smiling, bright-eyed kid to Jesus. Well, you see... That's where they went wrong. Uh, they forgot that in those children, with all their joy, their health, their innocence, there was a great and grievous need for the blessing of the Savior's grace on their lives. See, if you indulge in the idea that your children don't need to be converted because they were born in a Christian home to Christian parents, they have good within them and it just needs to be developed, right? You're going to lose your kids. Because guess what? Our kids are sinners too. Children are sinners too. 
Don't worry about them. They'll be back. And we've got to remember that your children, my children, need the Spirit of God to give them new hearts, to renew right spirits within them, or else they will go astray. See, the enemy has so uh, blinded, I think a lot of Christian parents, oh, we go to church, my kids are brought up, da-da-da-da-da. No, your kids need to repent. Our kids need the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. They need to come to that point, to that place in their lives. And if they fail to do so, they will die and go to hell. Now, I'm not going to get into age of accountability and all that stuff. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about as a child grows up and they become aware and they know right from wrong. They have to make that decision for themselves. You know, uh, back even in the Old Testament, and I'm going to lose my place. I'm going to get ahead uh, of myself. But it's talking about... um, Natural birth, uh, that which is born. Uh, John one thirteen. go there. I know that's not Old Testament, that's New Testament. But like I said, I was getting ready to get ahead of myself. That which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You must be born again. You must be born of God. Our kids are sinners too, and they must be born again. That The church has got to cast off the old Jewish idea that was still kind of around us, that natural birth brings privileges, covenant privileges, because it doesn't. We say it all the time. It doesn't matter who your mama, your daddy, your grandma, your grandpa. It doesn't matter who they are. You've got to know Jesus for yourself, and we've got to remind our children of that. We've got to constantly remind them, you need your own relationship with the Lord. We need to be encouraging that. We need to be nurturing that. We need to be uh, giving all all of our attention to that, ensuring that they have a relationship of their own with the Lord because he desires to have a relationship with them just like he does the adults. Children's ministry is very, very important, to say the least. It is very important. Verses 14 and 15, uh, the disciples might not have, of Mark 10, the disciples might not have wanted to bother uh, with the children, but they would learn that Jesus was an advocate for children. See, he says, when Jesus saw Uh, saw it, he was much displeased and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. See, Jesus immediately recognized the rebuke of the disciples uh, towards the children, and he expressed his displeasure. Uh, Verse 15 says, Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. I don't think he was mixing words there. He wanted to get the point across. He was very blunt in his words. What you're doing right here, no, this is not right. You've got to stop this because going back three weeks ago, if you rebuke somebody and stop some someone from coming to me, their blood will be on your hands. Even even children. 
Sometimes I've been in services where kids, they're feeling the spirit moving. And I'm not talking about here. I'm talking about in another church that I was at. And people didn't want kids coming to the altar. Oh, well, they don't know what they're doing. They're too young. They don't understand it. They're just getting caught up in emotion. I'm sorry. (laughs) I have heard more truth come out of the mouth of a child than I have out of a a 50-year-old or a 60-year-old. Why? Because they're available. (laughs) The Lord is able to speak to them and through them, and they believe it and they speak it. They don't question it. That's what having childlike faith is about. Just believing He is who He says He is, and that's enough. We don't have to uh, intellectually dissect it. We don't have to get everybody else's opinions on it. Kids just believe it. And so should we. We've got much to learn from our children. We've got to to realize this, not to, to keep them from this. He was grieved by the disciples' actions, and he commanded that the children be permitted to come to him without any hindrances. The disciples may not have wanted to bother them, but Jesus was willing to make time for them. And he's always willing to make time for his children, no matter the age, right? No matter the age, he is willing to make time for us. Uh, The last part of uh, verse 14 says, Of such is the kingdom of God. See, while the disciples failed to see the benefit or value in children, Jesus knew their value. And he declared that the kingdom of God was made up of such, as such as these. What did Jesus seek to convey in this statement? Simply, he revealed that those who come to him by faith unto salvation must come as a little child. It all goes back to that, what we say all the time, I can't, you can help. That's it. I mean, that is so simple, but it's so true. See, kids are totally dependent upon parents. They're trusting. They don't, they don't worry about their next meal. They just know it's going to be there. How many times have we worried? I know I have. They don't worry about what clothes they're going to put on because they just know they're going to open their drawer, they're going to be there, or, or look under their bed, or wherever their clothes might be, they'll be there. They don't worry about those things, but we do. Going back to uh, our time in praise and worship, we give so much attention to things who don't, that don't deserve our attention. And then we fail to worship the one and the only one who is worthy of it all. Wow. If we could just become like a child. To have that childlike faith. We all know, again, that children are totally dependent upon their parents for survival, and that's what we have to do. The same is true regarding salvation. We are totally dependent upon the Lord to provide for us. See, we're unable to secure salvation on our own, right? We can't do that. Uh, We have a, a difficult time comprehending how that all works. We just believe in Christ by faith for salvation. That's how it works. Verse 15, again, Jesus used the frustration of the disciples regarding the children to teach an eternal truth. Jesus never missed an opportunity to teach. And we should know that by chapter 10 in Mark. 
because we've seen it over and over and over again. Every time something went awry, Jesus taught. He taught. That's what he does. He's the teacher, right? See, faith in him was not optional. It was essential. If one was to receive salvation, they had to come as these children had, totally by faith. They had nothing to offer for his blessing and no status in society that would have warranted his time. The blessing they received had come solely from the Lord as a free gift of his grace. Exactly how you and I receive everything. It's a free gift. That's it. See, I I never want to to minimize salvation or the great price that was paid to provide uh, our redemption. Many people make this process a whole lot harder than it has to be. And I I don't understand that, but a lot of times we do. But we just got to come as a child realizing our inability and trusting in his finished work. Amen? We must acknowledge that he's provided. He alone has provided our salvation. And we can receive it by faith as a free gift. We could never work enough to earn it or to reach a place in life that we would deserve it. I mean, think about that. We could work our life and do all the good things, but we would never come to a place where we deserve his salvation. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. That right there tells us we, we can't do it. It's only by the Lord. His fr- I don't know what's going on over there. But sounds like something's coming through the side wall. I pray not. Verse 16. And he took them up in his arms, put his hands upon them, and blessed them. See, following the conversation they had, he's providing a little clarity regarding the children. And uh, Jesus shows them great affection. He not only says, let them come to me. He not only puts his hand on them and blesses them. But then he picks them up. And he pulls them close. He holds them tight. What a beautiful picture of our Lord. That's what he does to each and every one of us when we come to him. Oh, we come to him. He doesn't keep us at arm's length. Right? Okay, you stay right there. Don't come any closer. No. He just picks them up and holds them close. Gives them that warm embrace. Making them feel safe and secure. Think about when you were a child. Maybe you had a nightmare or something like that and you ran to your parents and, I mean, to say, no, get away. Go figure it out on your own. No. When your child's upset and worried and scared, what do you do? You get down, you pull them in, you hold them close. And that's exactly what the Lord does for us over and over and over again. I'm so thankful for his provision. I'm so thankful for Matthew 11:28 because it says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. See, tonight he's calling you, his children, to come, to climb up in his lap, and to let him hold you close, to wrap his arms around you and to say, Don't worry, don't fear. 
I've got it all under control. Wow. If the world could grab hold of that and, and realize that we can do that, we wouldn't see what's going on probably at this very moment right now a couple miles away from here. Why? Because we wouldn't be worried, wouldn't be fearful. We'd be trusting in him, relying on his provisions. So tonight as we end, and Vanessa, I pray that you have a song. Uh, if everyone could just stand, and just for a moment, if we could do that. First, I want you, as I said in the beginning, to be real with yourself, to ask yourself, Lord, search my heart and show me areas in my life that maybe I've kept people from coming to you. Change my ways, Lord, so that my actions, my reactions, they're bringing people to you. They're not pushing them further away. Lord, show me areas in my, my own family, Lord, where maybe I failed to, to take my kids to Jesus. Maybe I've opted to, to put a phone in their hand or, or whatever instead of just taking time as a family to sit down and read the word as a family. That's taking your kids to Jesus. And maybe tonight you're fearful. Maybe you're worried. You've got things going on in your family, in your life. Tonight the Lord says, come unto me. Climb up in my lap and let me hold you close. And it's going to be all right. We need to hear that sometimes from our Father. And that's exactly what he's speaking tonight. So as the music plays, I'm just asking you simply to respond to the Holy Spirit. Come, make, uh, come to these altars. Make yourself an altar where you're at. But just take some time and hear from the Lord. Go ahead, Vanessa.
feel like that should be the cry, our cry. Lord, open our blinded eyes to all those that are around us that need you. Unlock our deaf ears, Lord, to hear the cries of those in need. Come to us, Lord, as we draw near to you. And he, he will do just that. His word is true that as we draw near to him, he draws near to us. But so many times we think the blinded eyes are everybody else, but most of the time it's us. Lord, open my blinded eyes. Unlock my deaf ears so that I won't keep anybody from coming to you, Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, tonight. I thank you for your word that's gone forth. I thank you for the challenge that you've dropped in each and every one of us, Lord. God, to not, to, to not forbid anyone from coming to you, Lord, but God, from going and looking and searching them out, Lord, and gladly bringing them in, Lord, bringing them to, to the one and only one who can change their lives. Lord, I pray, Lord, that as we go our separate ways tonight, Lord, that you give us opportunities even before we get home, Lord, God, to bring our children to you, to share your goodness, your grace, and your mercy, Lord, to bring our spouses to you, Lord, our friends, our co-workers, Lord. Oh, stir our hearts, Lord. Give us discernment, Lord. Convict us, Lord, continually, Lord, so that we may become more like you. I thank you, and I give you all the praise and glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Don't forget.